Now this morning, as we get into the Word of God this morning, we're going to talk about the day, taken from Acts 17, 20 through 22. We're going to talk about the new temple is better than the old temple. We want to first shout that out for somebody. The new temple is better than the old temple. All right, now the new temple was a temple at Jerusalem. And we showed you that with, with John. We showed you that this morning uh, how Jesus went into the temple. Let's go to Luke 2, 41. Let's go to the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 2 uh, and verse number 41. We showed you that this morning, uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 41. This morning we took you to the Gospel of St. John. We showed you how he cleansed the temple. We showed you also in the Gospel of St. Matthew chapter 21, how he cleansed the temple. So we gave you those things this morning. Both of those places is where Jesus cleansed the temple. And then we show once he cleansed the temple, he began to heal the sick in the temple. And the Bible told us that Jesus preaches in the temple. He taught every day in the temple. And we gave you some definition this morning for the word temple. We gave you that word sanctuary. So if you got them, them words out there, if you out there who was, got that this morning, run them back for it. We got number one, sanctuary. Number two, the holy place. See, those are places we want to make sure we got on the screen. For those people who was not here with us this morning, then we got the tabernacle. Now we know in that holy place, it's holy of holies also. Okay? So all that's in the temple. Then we told you that this temple is a place set aside, number one, to worship God. Number one is a place set aside to worship God. Number two, a place God made to dwell in. The temple is, number one, a place set aside to worship God, but it's also a place God made to dwell in. So if God dwells in you, my God, let me go show it to you. We'll go to 2 Corinthians first. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Let's go show it to you. Watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going we're gonna to start up uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, we're going to start at verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. All right, there we go. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live now, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Then he's going to go and say, wherefore henceforth, from now on. No, we know man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. No more after the flesh. Then in verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. All things, there it is, are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And verse 18 says, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So if you're going to work with God, then you got to know. That's why the next verse says, to wit that God was in Christ. Well, if God was in Christ, guess what? Christ had to be the temple of God. Now, where is Christ? Christ is in us. See, so that's what we want to begin to look at. We want to begin to look at that. Thank God for this building. We appreciate God for giving us this building. And we are still paying on it. Thank you for your giving. 
And we thank God for his grace, his mercy, his love. All right, now, with that in mind, with that in mind, let's go to Luke chapter number two. And we want to go to verse 41. The Gospel of St. Luke chapter two and verse 41. When you get there, just say amen. Luke chapter two, verse 41. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem. Now, remember, all these times they were going to Jerusalem was the Jewish festival going on, which they call Passover. God never gave the body of Christ a Jewish festival, Passover. Christ is our Passover because Christ is the fulfillment of Passover. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem, and that is in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse 8. So you need to look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Christ, our Passover. All right. Now he says, and when he was 12 years old, when Jesus was 12 years old, they, his family went to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, and they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph, his mother, knew it not. But they supposed him to have been in the company. When a few days journey, when a day's journey, I'm sorry, and they saw him among their kinsfolk and their acquaintances. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking Jesus. He came to pass that after three days, they found him where? In the temple. Where they find Jesus in the temple. That's very important. That means that if, if you say, where's Christ? He's in the temple. Watch what he was doing. Sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him was astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they was amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought you sorrowing. I'm going to read this out of the King James, then I'm going to read it out of the good news. Verse 49 and the rest of the verse. Verse 49 says, And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? Let's, let's read that. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49 out of the good news. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. Out of the good news. Just one verse. Now this, this is just shed some more light on, on, on what he really said. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. Out of the good news. When you're ready for that, I'm ready for it. Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. He answered them. Now watch what his answer was. Why did you have to look for me? We're reading out of the good news. He asked them, why did you have to look for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? I mean, why did you look for me? I mean, if you were looking for me, didn't you know where to find me? Why did you look for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they understood not. But they did not understand his answer. So Jesus went back with them to Nazareth, where he was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in both in body and in wisdom, gaining favor with God and man. Now, I want to I read what Jesus quoted that from. Because when he quoted that, he was quoting a verse of scripture in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. Uh, let, let's, let's look at that. And also, we, we're going to show you that where he was quoting from uh, in, in, uh, in the Old Covenant. But when he quoted that verse, let me get my book here. Because when he quoted that, he quoted it from the Old Covenant. 
from the old covenant and verse number 49. And John, John chapter 2 and verse 16, he had already spoke that in the gospel of John chapter, but we're going to take you all the way back to the old covenant and show it to you. All right, John chapter 2 and verse number 16. John chapter 2. It says, and he said to them in John chapter 2, verse 16, take these things hence, make not my father's house. We're going to go back to Psalm 69 and 9. I want you to write that in your Bible. Psalm 69 and 9. Because he was quoting the scripture. Because they supposed to have known. We're going to read that in verse 17. In verse 17, he's going to say, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. We're going, to, we're going to show you that too also when we go back there. But why did Jesus say that? Let's go back and look at Psalm 69 and 9. Because that's what he was doing. He was, he was quoting the scripture. Psalm 69 and verse number 9. When he said, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. Why did he take a cord? Why did he do that? Because they were buying and selling the temple. Psalm 69 and 9, he says, The zeal of thine house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen on me. But I want to read that same thing out of the good news. Psalm 69 and 9. Just when you read that same thing out of the good news. That, that's, this is how you study. Psalm 69 and verse 9. Watch what, watch what the word says. Psalm 69 and verse 9. My devotion. We, we want to wait till you get there. Psalm 69 and verse 9. Out of, the, out of the good news, just that one verse. Now this is what he was saying. The zeal of thine house has eaten me up. So why did, why did he go in there and make a court and whip them out the temple. See, he's confessing this word. We're waiting on that scripture, Psalm 69 and verse 9 out of the good news. Just one verse. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Psalm 69 and verse 9 out of the good news. I'm just going to go on and read it. It says, my devotion to your temple, my devotion to your temple burns in me like a fire. My devotion to your temple burns in me like a fire. We read that out of the, out of the Good News Bible. Psalm 69 and 9. No, that's uh, my devotion to your temple burns in me like a fire. The insults which are hurried at you, falls on me. So it was an insult for them to be buying and selling in the temple. Some people do not know even what that meant. You have to study the word to be able to understand what that meant. Because in the Old Testament, these people, the way they did sacrifices was, they had to sell their sacrifice from where they were, bring the money to Jerusalem, and buy sacrifices so they can have something to sacrifice before God. So because of these people knew that, they just set up the marketplace right in the temple. See, it would have been okay if they were outside Jerusalem selling when the people come into town. But no, they wouldn't do that. They just set up their marketplace right inside the temple. And the people sold and they bought what they needed to sacrifice right inside the temple. And that's what made Jesus hot. That's why the Bible say, the insults which are hurled at you fall on me. Because it was, it was an insult for them to, to do that to the Father's house. We're talking about Jerusalem, the place where everybody came all over the world in Israel's world. From all the 12 tribes came to Israel, to Jerusalem, to worship God. 
Now you tell me, you tell me how would you feel? Some of you know you've been to Door Faith Christian Church, know that God spent a lot of money to build this place. How would you feel if you came inside of the sanctuary Sunday morning and we had people already with cows, oxen, sheep, doves, buying and selling right inside the church. Now, you would absolutely smell cows all through the church, right? You would smell, see, that's what you got to understand. The stench of the animals would be in the church. You wouldn't like it. You'd probably do the same thing. You'd probably come in here and you'd take some and run them out. That's what happened to Jesus. Make not my father's house. Now, that's how he feels. We now going to get into now showing you that that's who we are. We the body of Christ. Now, you will understand how he feels when you tell him, I know I got a problem smoking in his house. Or I know I got a problem doing drugs in his house. Or I know I got a problem drinking beer and wine and whiskey in his house. See, you're not understanding if you understood the natural, Jesus took a cord and ran them out the temple. Can't you see what goes on when you allow stuff to happen in your life and that's not what God wants from you? God is holy. And that's why God said, be holy for I am holy. All right, now let's go look at some of these. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. In the New Covenant, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we want to look at verse number 16, 17. We're talking about the new is better than the old. We're talking about the new temple is better than the old temple. Now, if God did not allow this in the old temple, how much more would he not allow it in the new temple is what you're supposed to look at. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 16, 17. I'm giving you information. Watch what Paul said to the church. Know ye not that you are the temple of God? I mean, do you know this? That you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God lives, dwells in you. Can't you see what he did? He took cords, made himself a whip, ran them out of the temple and said, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. You have made a den of thieves. Now watch this. Verse 16, know you not that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? Now if any man defile the temple of God, if any man, if any man defile the temple of God, him God shall destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Can't you understand God, God said if any man defile the temple? Now we know Jesus talked about what defiled the man and it wasn't a thing that came out of the man that defiled the man. Or not what went in him for food, but it what came out the heart. The thing that they, you're allowed to live in your heart defiles the man. That's why God wants you to renew your mind. All right, now, let's move on. Let's show you another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. See, he, he really got on this church at Corinth because they had allowed in the church the lifestyle of a man sitting in church having his father's wife, see? So Paul had got on this church and told him, I've judged already. Brother, these things ought not to be. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Watch how many times that God warned them. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own. He's reminding the church that, listen, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. That means live for God in your body. Live a holy life. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Remember, Christ died on the cross and bought you, bought me. And least we ought to do is live for him. Just think about what I just said. He died on the cross for me. Least I should live for him. First Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 6. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. We just cover as many as we can in Corinth. Then we're going to go over to Ephesians, some other places. First Corinthians chapter 12. And verse 20. Then we're going to look at verse 27. First Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20. Now, but now are they many members, yet one body. Many members, but there's only one body. Are you in Christ? Are you a believer in Christ, death, death, and resurrection? Then you are the body of Christ. And that one body is talking about one church. Now, watch, watch what else he says in verse 27. Now you are the body, you are the body of Christ. Now you are the, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, and verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. You're the body of Christ. Let's go over and see how you got in the body while we're there. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized in one body. By one spirit are we all baptized. See, you got these folks out here that think you got to be water baptized to get in Christ. You've been deceived. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether it be Jew, Gentile, whether it be born or free, have been all made to drink into one spirit. Can't nobody put you in spirit. Let, let me show you what Jesus said. Go to the Gospel of St. John. Let me show you what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Let's go to John, John chapter 3, verse 1. Let's go show you what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Because that's what you have to do to some people. You just have to keep on telling them over and over and over and over. Because they believe they're the only one right. You've been deceived. Don't you know when you've been deceived, you're blinded. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 is what we're waiting on. King James, here we go. There was a man named, uh, the man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that thou do it except God be with him. Jesus said to him, are you ready? Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Blinded. Except a man be born of the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said to him again, verse 6, verse 5, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit. That word water is the Word. Born of the Word and the Spirit, he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, that's your first birth, is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit, your new birth, is that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. There's only two births. Through Adam through Christ. Your first birth was a physical, natural birth in Adam. Your second birth is a spiritual birth in Christ. And it was the Holy Spirit who put you in Christ. Now, with that in mind, 
Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. See, you guys just walk through the Word of God. The Word of God will just tell you over and over and over if you just read the Word. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 17. The Bible told you, you're by the temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body told you, you are the temple of God. The body told you, you're a new creation. You're the body of Christ. Now in 1 Corinthians 10, 17, for we being many are one bread. He called the one bread the one body. So if you're still eating the bread on the table, what does it represent? At least you know that, right? It represents one body. Well, the body is not on the table anymore. The body is the people. See, you, you missed the whole revelation. You still think you're supposed to physically eat the bread on the table, and he's telling you the fellowship with the, with the membership. Fellowship with the membership. For we being many are one bread. One bread. The church is one bread and one body. Now you think you're supposed to eat us up? No, we're supposed to fellowship one another. For we are all partakers of that one bread. See, Christ, when Christ died on the cross, God put one man on the cross. Jesus is called the bread of life. We are all partakers of that one bread. Now we are the body of Christ. Let's go to 2 Corinthians while we're there. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. See, the word of God just goes on and on and on. If you just read it. You want to prove you're right or wrong? Just read the word. That's why I talk about this morning where people are trying to tell you about faith and they're only talking about what they believe. See, that's deception. That's not faith. Just because you said something, don't make it faith. Just because you said something's going to happen, not going to happen, that, that's not faith. Let, let me give you a definition for the word faith. Let me give you a definition for the word faith. The ability given to you by the Holy Spirit, the grace of God given to you by the Holy Spirit to believe God's word. I'm giving you a definition for faith. Now you can see why so many people got it wrong, right? Faith is the grace of God or the ability of God, the Spirit of God to believe God's word. That's what faith is. So why people cannot believe in God's word? Why do you think Jesus says, if you believe, all things are possible? Because you can't believe in God's word if you don't have his faith. Why did God give you his faith? So you can believe his word. But when you hear people who are in what they call the faith movement, they just say stuff and expect it's going to happen because they said it. They'll say something and just pray in the Spirit and say, now you know that's going to happen because I said it. Hallelujah. No. It doesn't happen because you say it because that's not faith. You, you right there. Uh, what did I just tell you to go to? 2 Corinthians, right? 6.14. After I leave there, I'm going to take you back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to show you a verse in verse 13. Don't, don't let me forget that. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. We'll go back to after we leave this verse. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians 6.14. We should have it on the screen. 
Watch what God says. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Remember, remember what he's saying. We are the temple of God. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship? Remember, that's what the bread was for, the fellowship. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion? Remember what the bread is for? Fellowship. Communion. What fellowship has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part of he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God. Let me say it again. You are the temple of the living God. I don't think you take your salvation seriously enough. That's why you have things in the Bible that says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. See, you need to study that. That's, that, that. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Then he says, quench not the Spirit. Why are those words in there? You need to find out. You are the temple of a living God. As God has said, watch this, I will dwell in them. God says, I will walk in them. God says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now watch what God says. Wherefore, since God is in you and because God dwells in you, he walks in you, he's your God. Watch what he said to them. Wherefore, come out from among them. Be separate. Say, the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. He's talking about idols. He don't want the church worshiping idols. He don't want the church in fornication. He don't want the church in idolatry. Come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord of hosts. And watch what it says. Trust not the unclean thing in verse 17. And I will receive you. Let's look at chapter 7. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 14, but let's look at 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 while we're there. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Just the first verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Watch what he said to the church of Corinth. Having therefore these promises... Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Live holy in the fear of God. That means you know God living inside of you. Why won't you live right? God living inside of you, that stuff on television you can't watch. Cursing and swearing and fornication, adultery and all this stuff. Listen, God living right inside your house. Give him respect, please. Otherwise, be holy because he's holy. When you live right, you honor your father. When you don't live right, you dishonor your father. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. Romans, I'm going to start verse 1. Romans chapter 12, start verse 1. We're going to keep verse, verse 4 and 5, but let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. All through the word of God, God is telling you that the new temple is better than the old temple. Now, we saw what God asked them to do in the Old Testament. So we can't be doing this stuff in the new covenant and think God's pleased with it. He's not. 
He cleansed the temple in the Old Covenant. And they had sheep and cattle and pigeons, money changers in the temple. See, well, we, we think we can gamble today and it's all right with God. I mean, because it's on our phone. See, I, I know I go down to casino and every weekend. See, listen, God, God, too good to you for you to do that kind of stuff. God is too good to you for you to go to those kind of places. Come out from among them. Be shepherds, said the Lord. Touch not the unclean things. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies. Do you hear what he says? I'm going to come to this camera. I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies, watch this, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God which is your reading of a service. This is how you worship. That's what he's telling you. I beseech you therefore by the mercy of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reading of a service. Otherwise, this is how you worship God. Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Paul said, I say through the grace of God given to me, every man that's among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. If God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, Faith is not me just saying what I want to say to happen and I say that's faith. Because I said it. Because I said it. That's not faith. We're going to show you what faith is in just a moment. Romans chapter number 12. And verse 4 and 5, this is where we want to get to. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ. I need somebody to carry that down, down the line for me. We are one body in Christ. We are one body in Christ. And everyone members one of another. Now you just think about what it says. Every one of us are members one of another. This is what happened when you have people in the body injure, hurt, speak evil of other people in the body. That's just like taking your own right hand and pinching your left hand. It's only one body. When you hurt another member of the body of Christ, you hurt yourself. Verse number four again, for we have many members in one body, for all members have not the same office. Verse five, so we being many are one body in Christ, every one members one of another. Verse six, having then gifts different according to the grace that's given to us, well, the prophecy, let us prophesy according to the post-pushing of faith. All of us have different gifts. Is what happens is when you try to do something and that's not your grace, that's not your ability. 
and everybody knows it. But you just want to do that. See, there's no difference in ministry of music, ministry of song. Everybody know you shouldn't be singing that song. You ask everybody in that church after the service is over. A lot of times you go to the funeral and you got people say, well, uh, I'm going to sing this song. Uh, Y'all pray for me. And uh, they start singing that song. Everybody in the church know you shouldn't be singing that song. You should have found somebody who can sing it. You embarrass the whole body, whole body of Christ. Not just yourself. You didn't just embarrass yourself. You embarrassed the whole body of Christ because everybody's heart was broken when you sang that song. See, that's why we got, we got to tell people the truth. We got to tell people the truth. I want to sing that song. Mama wanted me to sing that song. Grandma wanted me to sing that song. This song this, somebody got to be able to tell her, look, you can't sing that song. Let somebody else sing that song. Now get mad if you want to. And the organist should have been able to say, look, I am not going to play if you're going to sing. You're not going to embarrass me. See, we got to be open and honest with people when they can't sing. Tell them they can't sing. You got people in the ministry trying to minister. You know they can't minister. And people get mad with you because you don't let them minister. There are people right now angry with Pastor Earl O'Crump because I don't let them minister. Not going to embarrass me. You're not going to embarrass me. Now, when you get so you know the word, we can talk. But you're not going to minister when you can't minister. When you don't know what you're doing, find out what you're supposed to be doing and do that. And don't embarrass the whole church. Somebody got to tell you the truth. Can I get an amen out there? Because I know I got some folk in the body of Christ who will tell you the truth. Child, you have no business singing that song. Child, Pastor Crump should never have let you preach that message. You got to tell people the truth. And God help me to be able to discern all right, now, let's keep going. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. No, I got to go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. That's where I'm supposed to be at. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Just want to show you a verse. Why do you, how do you get faith? What is faith? God give you the spirit of faith so you can know the word. He gives a spirit of faith so you can believe his word. And I just showed you in Romans 12 and 3, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So God has given to every man the measure of faith to know the word. To know the word don't, don't mean get out here and just say something's going to happen next week or something's going to happen tomorrow or this is going to come to pass and you want God to count that as faith. That's not faith. God's faith is to believe his word. Not for you to get out and speak something in oops. I, oops. It didn't happen, did it? No oops. You, you got to understand, that wasn't faith in the first place. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. One verse. We having the same spirit of faith. We having the same spirit of faith. There's only one faith. See, if I go through this Ephesians chapter number 4 and 5, I can show you there's one faith. Now, we having the same spirit of faith, I know when... What, when that was not faith, and we all got the same spirit of faith, and you get up and say, the Lord told me this is going to happen, and I know that was not God. I, I got the spirit of faith too. I know that was a lie. And we lie on God because it didn't happen. 
And then you tell people that maybe I just, I need to fast and pray. You need to do more than fast and pray. You need to keep your mouth shut. You don't need to do that and embarrass the body of Christ. See, what we end up doing, we end up having people who have confidence in us thinking things going to happen because we said so. And we go out and tell other folks what's going to happen because you said it. See, somebody got to rise up and tell people, look, that ain't faith. Somebody, somebody's telling me this out there on the screen. That was not faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13 is faith. So you want to follow that up out there on the, on the screen for me. 2 Corinthians 4.13 is faith. Here it is. We having the same spirit of faith. Now, watch what he tell you. According as it is written, I believed. See, he's telling you what faith is. What did you believe? I believe God's word. See, he's telling you how you got faith. The word of God was preached. I believe the word of God. He's talking about the, the gospel of Christ. Let's use Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Show you how you got your faith. We have the same spirit of faith. How did I get the spirit of faith? Because we know Christ had the spirit of faith. I believe. I believe what? I believe Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And because I believe, so have I spoken. What did I speak? I spoke what I believe. Well, what I believe? I believe in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. He's not talking about believing that something's going to happen tomorrow, somebody's going to die, somebody's going to live, or somebody's going to come to church tomorrow, somebody's going to get married, somebody. He's not talking about all that stuff. You just need to go sit down. That's not prophecy, that's lying. So watch what he says. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. We have the same spirit of faith. How we get it? According as it is written. I believed past tense. What do you believe, pastor? I believe Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read it in just a few moments. I believe Christ died for our sins. He was buried and God raised him from the dead. I believed. And therefore have I spoken... What did I speak? I spoke what I believe. Why did I preach Christ? Because that's what I believe. And therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. That's faith. You come, you hear the word of God on Sunday mornings. You believe the word of God that you hear on Sunday when the pastor is preaching. And then you go out and share that word with one another. That's faith. You heard the word, you believed the word, and you spoke the word. That's faith. I told you this morning, Ephesians 1 and 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly place in Christ. I heard that, Pastor, I believe that, so I go out and share it with other people. That's God's word. But you can't go out and say some other stuff and say that's God's word. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. I got a minute. Got to go. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? What is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the work of his mighty power. I'm talking about his word which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in the world to come, and has put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head of all things to the church, the church which is his body, the church is the fullness of him that filleth all in all, his body, his church. Ephesians 2.18, why are you there? Ephesians chapter 2, 
in verse 18. Then we're done. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him we both have access by one spirit, by one spirit, by one spirit, unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers or foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And now you are the household of God. You are built upon, we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building, all the building, the body of Christ, fitly joined together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are built together for habitation of God, watch this, through the Spirit. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Let's show you what we confess one more time. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Just 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to get you right in front of me. 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, that he rose again according to the scripture. He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. He was seen of above 500 brothers at once. After that, he was seen of James and then all the apostles. Last of all, Paul said he was seen of me also who was born in due time. He was born out of due time. I believe the gospel of Christ. That's how you got faith. When I preach Christ and you can believe it, you have God's faith. We have the same spirit of faith. I believe and therefore have I spoken. You can't believe the gospel of Christ if you don't have God's faith. You can receive it by receiving Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. My time is up, and I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.